Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Sit Still with Sierra. My name is Sierra Lyons, a fourth-year broadcast journalism student at Florida A&M University. Today, I will be joined by Pastor Wesley of Greater Little Rock Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. We will be discussing the ongoing racial divide within churches, and we will specifically be analyzing Dr. Martin Luther King's quote from 1960 about 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings being the most segregated hour in Christian America. So without further ado, let's just get right into the conversation. Pastor Wesley, are you there? I am here. Good to be here with you. Thank you so much for joining me for this important conversation. So I'm just ready to dive right in if you are. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, so first off, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your church that you pastor in Pensacola? My name is Lonnie Wesley, I'm born and reared here in Pensacola, uh, undergrad uh, at Alabama State University in Montgomery, Alabama. Welcome to the SWAC, by the way, to all of <laughs> our uh, family friends. Um, after um, leaving Alabama State, uh, worked for a couple of teams in the NFL and um, public relations and got essentially the same job at Jackson State University. Um, instead of doing it for one sport, one team, we just did it for 14, I think. We had 14 sports at Jackson State. Um, was called into the ministry during that time, and I've been a pastor um, uh, ever since. Uh, ever since 1996, um, was, I've been a pastor since 96. Um, received my doctorate last year at Anderson University and Anderson Uni- Anderson University in Anderson, South Carolina, down the street from Clemson. And so um, I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be here and looking forward to this podcast today. Awesome. Thank you so much. And can you just tell us a little bit about your church that you pastor in Pensacola? Can you just tell us, you know, um, the dynamics of it, the denomination, and the demographics of it? Yeah, Greater Little Rock um, uh, is dually aligned um, within the um, two major um, Baptist um, um, organizations. And I say that because we are both National Baptist, that's the largest um, concentration of black Baptists in the country, in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the National Baptist. Um, our, um, our president is Dr. Jerry Young, and but we are also Southern Baptist, which is primarily our, um, um, Caucasian. National Baptist is 100% um, African American, and Southern Baptist, uh, which we're also part of, it's uh, I guess about 96% Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, not only do we um, share that, that distinction nationally, but also statewide and locally. So on the, on the local level, state level, and national level, we are members of two uh, organizations. One historically and traditionally uh, African-American, and the other historically and traditionally Caucasian. Got it. Got it. Perfect. So obviously the dynamics of your church will obviously, you know, shape your opinion of the conversation that we'll be having today. So I just want to dive right in straight with Martin Luther King's quote from 1960. So 60 years later, we are still, you know, debating this quote and having conversations about it. And I just want to read it verbatim. So he says, it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. So I just want to ask you as a pastor, do you agree with this quote, obviously there's data to back up that there is a racial divide, but do you agree that it is appalling that the most segregated hour is, you know, Sunday morning church services? I, I agree 100%. Um, 
um, that it is very appalling. And, of course, just to make sure that everyone understands the context of which Dr. King was speaking, the 11 o'clock hour that he was speaking of at that time um, was the hour of worship service, um, what we would say church. Of course, in this time, it may be 8 o'clock, it may be 9.15, it may be 3 o'clock, but at that time, it was close to pretty uh, it was pretty close to being 100% that 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday morning was the church time for everybody, regardless of race. But it is appalling, nonetheless. Whatever time, you know, we gather, it is appalling that that's the most segregated time of the week. Right. And do you believe that there is any sort of justification for the divide that we see on Sunday morning? Um, obviously, it's worth mentioning that a lot of denominations that are predominantly um, by African Americans were created because they weren't allowed to attend church services with their white counterparts. But in 2020 today, do you think that there's any sort of justification for this divide? Justification is a very um, interesting word uh, choice there, uh, Sierra. I would not say that anyone is justified um, in this instance. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I can go with understood. Um, as long as we understand, and I don't mean I don't have any intentional pawn and play on words, there. I believe it, it can be understood as long as we understand on the dynamics of it. And what I mean by that is traditionally, historically, on both sides of the ledger, black and white, um, that was the case. Black people went to church where they went to church with their families, with their friends, and white people did. They did the exact same thing, and you just you just mentioned the fact that uh, when you go even deeper than that, black people are not allowed to worship with white people. And when they were allowed to worship with white people, oftentimes the black people were made to be up in the balcony um, mm-hmm. or, in some instances, uh, down in the basement if they were allowed to go at the same time in the same building. In the same building, but um, that was few and far between. It's, it's a, suffice it to say, black people are not allowed to go to worship service with white people. And then when you start coming forward um, this way in terms of years, um, it has just grown into people. And I don't want to sound like I'm making an apology for it, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. That still permeates the mindset of people uh, a lot of times on both sides of the aisle. Got it. I agree wholeheartedly. And that's very interesting that you say that um, because that kind of gets into the next question I have for you, which is your role as a pastor in this current age. And obviously in 2020, the issue and conversations of race have been exacerbated as as we've seen instances of police brutality with, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery um, and just white supremacy in general. Do you feel obligated to speak out about racism and justice from the pulpit, and why or why not? Absolutely. Uh, And the why, in my opinion, is a very easy why, uh, and that's because it affects the pews. Um, I don't don't advocate for a detached pulpit. Um, Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is I believe, I was taught, and I believe that the preacher, the pastor, should be so in, ter- so in tune with the pews. The pulpit must be so in tune with the pews that what affects the pews affects the pulpit. What affects the pulpit should affect the pews. I can't live 
in a Taj Mahal mentality just because I'm in the pulpit and I tend to to overlook the suffering of the pews. That's that's crazy. Um, um, I have to be ready to preach, the Bible says, in season and out of season. And right now today, unfortunately, uh, we are living in a season that's very much akin to the season of the 60s uh, where we find um, um, black people being more disenfranchised, more disenfranchised um, than ever before. And um, police brutality, again, um, commands the headlines and um, and, and, then, and then when you start looking more within, we see how, how we're killing each other, um, how, 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 how we're um, becoming um, pregnant without being married, um, and, and then suffering alone sometimes. Um, and, and the list just goes on and on. Whatever it is, here's my point. The pulpit, I believe, has to be able to speak the gospel truth to whatever power that resides in the pew. Got it. Got it. You made that very clear. Thank you for that. And I just want to read you um, a little bit of data from Barna Group, which is a research, research organization specifically for churches, and they collect data, you know, every single year in regards to churches. And it's very interesting because they just released a new um, a new study in September of this year where they asked um, and surveyed people about their, their current perceptions of race relations in America. So they did the same study in 2019 asking, you know, white people, black people, Hispanic people about if they thought that currently in our present day, do they think that race is an issue? And interestingly enough, um, black and Hispanic people, their, their percentages increased from 2019 to 2020, but white adults, white Christian adults, their numbers actually decreased by 7%. They don't believe that current perceptions of race relations in America are a problem. Um, Obviously, you are not white. You're a black man. But what is your take on that? Why do you think that, you know, in this year where it's been so obvious that race is an issue in our nation, why do you think that the numbers have decreased instead of increased? If we go with the numbers, then I think the first thing we have to do is ask um, what what are the numbers? Uh, how how many? What's the sample size? Uh, that's mm-hmm. the first thing that came to my mind. Um, maybe maybe that's the first thing that comes to my mind because I really don't want to think that uh, white Christians will say uh, what what you just you know told me that the Barners that that, that the um, Barner groups um, you know uh, survey says. I really don't want to think that. God knows I don't. I, I don't want to think that anybody, regardless of being black or white will look at what's going on today and say that race relation, race relations are better today than, than in times past. I, that, that, you know, that, that, that hurts to even think about for me because I think it's very easy to see that, that things are not better today than they were on yesterday um, mm-hmm. by, by no stretch of the imagination, uh, whether you want to talk politically or uh, financially, uh, certainly not educationally things are not better. So the, the, all of those are, you know, the first two or three things that come to my mind. I hope, did I answer your question? That caught me uh, on guard right there. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you, you definitely okay. answered it. Um, okay. Yeah, their sample size for the study was 1,065 people, and it took them from June 18th of this year to July 17th to collect all of their data. So, you know, based off of that, unfortunately, um, 
unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's, there there has been a decrease. Yeah, that's that's as I as we used to say um, back in the late eighties, that's a hurt card right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel for those who are so detached from society right now uh, that would even begin to think um, that things are better uh, right now. And I know this is my opinion, uh, but I do. I feel right. for anyone who would say such. Absolutely, and you are entitled to your opinion. I Absolutely. kind of want to shift gears for a second and talk a little bit about um, the campaign and the election of Donald Trump. Now, I obviously cannot speak for every single community. I can only speak on the Pensacola and Tallahassee community that I've been a part of, but I personally saw a shift in rhetoric within the Pensacola community in 2016 with the campaign and election of Trump. And what I mean by a shift in rhetoric is um, amongst believers, amongst Christians, I saw a shift both online and in person. The dialogue shifted when it came to the conversation of race. Um, do you feel like the campaign and election of Trump has exacerbated a racial divide in churches? Uh, and maybe that isn't even the right way to frame the question. Do you feel yeah, like that's fair? That's, that's okay. That's yeah, fair. Can, yeah, that's fair. Um, do you feel that there has been an at you know that because of his campaign and election that the issue has been exacerbated? Yeah, that's that, that's a fair question. And and I'm not trying to uh, elude the, the, the question when I say it really does depend on who you ask. Um, do I feel that it has? It depends on if you mean do I feel it has for the black community or do I feel it has for the white community? Because the answer is going to differ every single time on the whole. And I know, listen, sociology teaches us, we, teaches us we cannot and should not ever deal with the exceptions because there are exceptions to every rule. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. We, would never, we, would, we would never make any definitive statements if we try to break down every exception. So with that being said, we, would, we are going to get totally different answers if we're talking about the white community or the black community. Okay. With that being there, um, even still, not everybody in the white community is down with that, and not everybody in the black community, in my opinion, sadly to say, is not down with it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has, because Mr. Trump has been able to awaken uh, some echoes of years past that have not been very friendly to the black man and black woman in this country. Um, make America, the phrase itself, make America great again, means something totally different to the white community than what it does to the black community. Um, it, it's, 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 it's something that wakens the echoes for the white community of greatness in their eyes when it comes to standing up against China or, or, or bringing jobs supposedly back to America. But when it comes to the black community, it, it, it awakens echoes of lynchings and, and, and trying to overthrow the government and, 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 and it's trying to even more strongly um, disenfranchise um, certain people in the, in the, in the country. So, so you're going to get two answers um, based on both of those groups of uh, scenarios. Um, but I think the, the overall answer, I believe, would have to be yes, it has. Um, now, now, and I don't want to go too far away from your question, but I think your question was framed in terms of uh, white Christians, and for many um, uh, white Christians who are more in tune with the importance of Supreme Court judge, judges than may, than what some black in the black community may be, um, mm-hmm. 
they see Donald Trump as being the answer to being able to not be so, quote-unquote, politicized or political and maybe one, they believe, who can um, and will um, appoint the judges that more, that more closely identify with their uh, ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think that's real. Um, I believe that's real. And, um, and so, you know, at one point or another, we're going to have to um, not only deal with that, but, look, you know, take the time to get more uh, educated on just how important that is. Absolutely. And a follow-up from that question, because obviously 2016, four years ago, but how do you feel the 2020 campaign compares to the 2016 campaign as far as the church's reaction? Because like I said, again, when Donald Trump was running in 2016, I personally saw and heard a shift within our community amongst pastors, amongst people who call themselves believers. You know, I, I, I read things online that I never thought I would read from people who profess to be Christians, um, back and forth arguing, things like that. So do you feel like the 2020 campaign has kind of um, reawakened some of those emotions that came alive in 2016? Yeah, if they ever went away. Right. <laughs> if, they ever, if they ever went to sleep. If, if, those emo- if those emotions went to sleep, then yes, they are reawakened. But um, I'm one... I'm one that believes they never want to sleep. Hmm. They just never let this still here. Yeah. And how how have you seen that in the community? Um, obviously, I'm not a pastor, so I I can't speak from that perspective. But with other pastors in the community, both black and white, has it been difficult for you at times to um, kind of get on the same page as other pastors in the community about? our stance as Christians when it comes to justice? For me, no. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of weird. I like to talk to people. I like to uh, try to communicate. And um, just because you disagree with me, I'm, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to get upset. Right. Um, I won't deal with you because I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to get – because you have a right, as we just said, you have a right to your opinion, uh, whomever, quote, unquote, you may be. Um, so, you know, a Republican and, and a Democrat, um, at, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but you and I, as you just said, you, you and I have both witnessed people getting really upset um, to because of what really comes down to, to being a difference of opinion uh, politically. Now, and again, I want to make sure I answer your question. When it comes down to the people of faith, I do regret seeing how sometimes – and this is black people and white people, sometimes we let our political affiliations um, override our mm. biblical affiliation. Right. And that hurts. Sometimes we let the, the donkey and the, and the, and the elephant uh, grow larger in us than the lamb. Mm. And that hurts. That's very disappointing to me. Wow. That, that's a very profound statement that I can definitely agree with. Um, people choosing their political affiliations over their their duty as a Christian. Um, that kind of leads to my next point as well, which I want to focus on your church because I know your church does great work in the community and amongst each other. Um, and I'm hoping that we can start to see more churches um, implement different groups and programs to talk about race. Currently, does your church have, you know, any programs or groups specifically to talk about racism and justice or 
you know, if it's not a group necessarily like a, you know, a connect group, um, do you have any special sermons or teachings that your congregation can listen to? Uh, yeah, and I'm glad you made that clarification because we don't, we do not have um, an intentional um, set aside group per se to get that right. done. Um, but um, I do thank God that um, the congregation is such that anyone feels um, welcome to uh, converse about any subject, and mm-hmm. and we should not take that for granted because there are places where people are not so welcome to talk about any subject, especially one of race. Um, um, yes, I have in the past, as, as, as led by the Spirit, preached on such. Uh, two weeks ago, um, I, I, I preached a sermon entitled All Lives Matter um, based on the young man who was uh, taken to see uh, Jesus by four friends, and they could not get in the house, so they went to the roof and let him down into um, the house through the roof. They, they, they tore the roof off the sucker and uh, laid him down um, through the roof uh, down in where Jesus was um, because his life mattered. And, and, and I just tried to say right quick that all lives matter. Um, and when all lives matter, uh, we'll take some cues from those four friends. They went the extra mile. They were all right, but he wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. just because I'm doing fine, if I see uh, Ray Ray and Junebug not doing so well, I should love his life enough to put my life on hold, if not, I mean, if but just for a day or half a day to try to get Ray Ray and Junebug um, uh, into a better situation. You know, we can't have the, 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 the mindset, I got mine, you got to get yours. Um, back in mm-hmm. the home Renaissance, I believe, um, it was made popular how each one should teach one. And um, so I'm hoping and praying that 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 permeates the congregation of, um, um, you know, always being willing to reach back. It starts with conversation, but then it cannot end until there's some action on it um, to help somebody else um, who needs our help. Got it. Got it. And one of the last things I want to ask you, obviously you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you do agree with Dr. King's statement that it is appalling to see the racial divide in our churches. Um, What do you think it will take to see more integration in churches? Do you think that's possible in our lifetime to see? Um, What do you think it takes to break down those barriers? Yes, I believe it's possible. And I believe what it takes, number one, is the gospel. And Mm -hmm. then um, after the gospel, we have to live it. We have to preach it. We have to teach it. But we have to live it. Um, we, we have to get out of the mindset that um, um, this place has a better um, uh, preacher over here than this place because this preacher over here is white versus the one over there is black. We got to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's across the board. Um, I, I, you know, it's easy to see black people um, at um, predominantly white churches with white pastors. It's not so easy to find white people predominantly black churches right. black pastors so um, so we can't just preach but we have, we have to teach and we have to model it we have to live it someone is going to have to get out of their comfort zone and begin to really be intentional about living the life that they read about and the life that they say they believe in 
Yeah, that's what it's got. That's what mm-hmm. it's going to take to to do it because it is godly. It is biblical. Listen, heaven doesn't have a black line and a white line. Uh, you know, all black mm-hmm. people who are here to see the Lord stand over here, and all white people stand. No, no, that's crazy. That's 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 so immature to even have that kind of thought. Um, and so, we, in in knowing that, we need to model that down here. Um, I can't hang with only black people and think that that's it. No, I, I, you know, I can't hang with only white people and think that that's it. No, we have to model what we, what we preach and teach and say we believe biblically down here. So, yes, to answer your question, it is possible. It's very possible. Awesome. I love that answer. I just want to thank you so much for, again, agreeing to the interview. And I know that when people listen to this podcast, they will be, you know, given a perspective that they may not have had before because of your words. So I thank you for joining me. And if you have any closing remarks that you'd like to make. No, I'm, I'm blessed. Thank you for the invitation. And I pray that someone will be helped by it. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to the special edition of Sit Still with Sierra. I will see you or you will hear me all in a new episode coming soon. Thank you. Bye.